0: for 25% off your DNA test kit.
1: This is the Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season 2, the Cannamom show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint. Sit back and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber.
0: It's the last show of 2020, Dave. We made it through right. 2020. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> music, like a, we made it through 2020 music, you know? No, nothing's queued up. All right. <laughs> what, 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 what song I don't know, was that? Sometimes you produce magic. Sometimes it just happens. All right. So we, this is actually the last show of 2020. And, you know, I like to talk about pot politics.
2: Wait, gonna, I've got it now, Joyce. I've got oh, it. Oh,
0: you do? Okay. Now you've introduced my... Okay, come on. Come on, bring it on.
2: <laughs> it's a year, it's a year to celebrate the end of, right?
0: That <laughs> yes, we, lo- we survived it. So right. all right, so it's also the, you know, pot politics religion, it's the story of the two Joseph this week, you know,
1: mm-hmm. Joseph
0: and Mary, the big one, but it's also, you know, I like to follow the Jewish thing. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Joseph in his technicolor dream coat this week. I actually think he's passed that part. He might be in Egypt now, but I'm not that good on it. But I did. Mm-hmm. I was working on the Technicolor cannabis quilt, so I just want right. to show it off. And since people can't see it, you can describe it while we'll I we'll dis- just we'll end describe up a little bit. It. We'll narrow. So it. So I'm standing. I'm holding them back. I'm walking backwards or something. Right. <laughs> you can see there are many, many colored fabrics on this. Yes. And they are all different cannabis fabrics.
2: Different cannabis fabrics.
0: Yeah, all different, like prints, they're like that.
2: Oh, and right. They okay. So they all have the the mar- the familiar cannabis leaf, but in all different colors. And what are those? What are those black bars? Is that just a design element? Oh, so to the-
0: it's going to look like a stained glass window with cannabis fabric in the middle when it's done. I know I it's it. hard to imagine now, but believe me, it'll look better when it's finished. But I did start it. So
2: I love it. I can't wait Thank to see it, the finished product. So
0: this is going to be, you know, you're going to get to be part of it. My guest today, it's going to be the women of the Technicolor Cannabis Quilt when it's finished. So that's a coming. So that's my Joseph story. And then just the other quirky New York, you know, I find all the stuff in the New York Times because I actually read the paper. So there's a story in the New York Times together about the Lux Club. Mm -hmm. It is a matchmaking service that promotes itself half seriously as a, quote, membership-based dating app for Jews (laughs) with ridiculously high standards.
2: In other words, Jews.
0: (laughs) All (laughs) Jews. (laughs) Oh, so that brings us right next to our guest. So speaking of Jews, let's introduce today's (laughs) guest, who is also a member of the tribe, Dave. All right. (laughs) Today's guest is one of the founders of Plant Medicine Law Group, a boutique firm serving psychedelic and cannabis clients. Her partners, Serena Wu and Hadass Altman, founded this groundbreaking firm in 2020 with the mission to expand equitable access to plant medicine and to help companies in the psychedelic and cannabis industries succeed in the extraordinarily complex emerging market. Today's guest is Jewish, Brazilian, and American. She's also an attorney. She began her legal career as a corporate associate and has drawn on her love of contracts as an entrepreneur in the fields of contemporary culture, real estate, and cannabis to found her new firm. In addition, as if she weren't cool enough, she was a senior advisor to the senior deputy chairman at the National Endowment for the Arts under President Obama. (laughs) She is also passionate about Jewish psychedelic culture and founded Jews Who Toke, an Instagram account that explores relationships with cannabis and psychedelics in the Jewish community. Please welcome to the Canna Mom Show, my sister in cannabis, Judaism, and law, Adriana Kurtzer.
2: Welcome. Yeah.
0: Hello. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Christmas week. What else would we be doing? Yes. I met, I met my it. husband on Christmas Eve, so at the matzah ball.
2: At the matzah ball. That actually happens. Love at the matzah ball.
0: 11th. I must for 30 years. Wow, that's a long time. All right. <laughs> but we're going to talk about psychedelics in Judaism. So I don't know if you saw this last night on Lisa Ling, CNN. She featured psychedelics and healing. So welcome,
1: Adriana. I don't know if you saw that, but that's just like it's just there, right? So mainstream. Right. I mean, it's it's funny when CNN CNN is you know showing off the topic on 10 p.m. on a Sunday. I unfortunately am in a home. During COVID without CNN. so I wasn't able to see it, but I did see a post about it on Rick Doblin's Instagram and will absolutely be be teasing that out. I speaking of Rick
0: Doblin. So I am practically family. So Rick Doblin is like, he's like, I don't know, what is he,
1: the guru, the king, the I don't know. He oh my gosh, don't the put on that. <laughs> He is he's the maybe the Abraham of the of the uh psychedelic renaissance. And he actually belongs to my temple and he's my cousin's
0: brother-in-law. So he's there hanging out go. at my house. It's all comes back to the Jews. And he was on that last night. So I actually saw him. And it's um, it's
1: funny because last week I, I did an interview for the, I guess, the equivalent of 60 Minutes in Brazil. It's called Fantástico and it's on uh, the Global Channel and, uh, and and that'll be airing on January 3rd. And I told the producer at the end of the interview, I said, you know, please don't edit me out, not for vanity purposes, but just because if my family sees this, they will finally realize I'm not all kinds of crazy.
0: <laughs> A little crazy. I tell my kids, everyone's crazy. everyone's got their own special kind of crazy. So let's talk about how you just, I don't know, your partners, they seem like reasonably smart, very impressive young, I mean, you're not alive well, everyone's young to me women. so let's talk about your partners, Serena and hadas, how you kind of formed this and why you guys are into psychedelics and cannabis, which is now apparently mainstream
1: <laughs> right. so it's 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 a real it's a real feminist and a real COVID story kind of all wrapped up at once. I met hadas Alterman on uh, the front row of a of a, of a rather stuffy cannabis event. That was held in, in New York, and it, it, the minute I found out that all of the people that would be speaking that evening, from introducers to panelists, were men, I, of course, started you know, protesting the way I do mannels, which are all male panels, and Hadas was right next Is to me. Is that a word? I'm going to start protestant. using that. That's... Yeah, <sighs> mannels and then wannels are all white panels, so you can have both a mannel and a wannel, or you can have one or the other. Neither are a display of great uh, creativity and panel organizing prowess. Right. So I made a comment. Hadass was next to me. She, I looked down, she looked up, and it, it was just love at first sight. So this was right before the pandemic. We had the chance to squeeze in one Hangout IRL. So let's just and get it, a little bit. Let's just like a little bit of her like this,
0: Just to show off her academic background, just so people know the standard the women we're talking oh, about.
1: Oh, oh yeah, she's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Went to Berkeley Law. She then cut her teeth in the cannabis scene in California, right as it was unfolding. Also, connecting, for example, farmers in the Humboldt area with the legislative process so that they could provide comments. So she really she really cut her teeth doing both corporate and legislative work and then decided to move to New York about a year before the, the pandemic hit. So that's okay. her background. Okay, good. And speaking of background, at the end of our one and only IRL hangout, I was introduced by Hadas to Serena Wu, who at the time was a litigation associate at Davis Polk, one of the top five law firms in New York. Harvard Law graduate, who was also contemplating what to do next. So it was, I was contemplating a return to the law focused on cannabis. Serena was contemplating what she wanted to do next. And I think I can say that Hadass had been on her own, but wanted to join forces with others so that it wouldn't be such a lonely legal experience.
0: That's great. All right. So there you go. And just say, Dave, what was your title, Dave, back in the law world?
2: At Lawyers Weekly? Yeah, yeah. I was editor-in-chief and publisher.
0: So he's deep in the law world too. So this is a whole shift for him too. Mm -hmm. All right. You can run away,
1: but you cannot,
0: cannot escape.
1: That's right. That's
2: right.
0: All right. So the guys are sitting together, you're coming, you're at a meeting. And so you came up with the idea of this firm? Like, was this? No. Oh, oh, no.
1: No. So basically I hung out one afternoon with Hadass, took her to a New York cannabis event. Serena met her there. I left. I said, hello and then the pandemic hits and we basically started hanging out on zoom
0: so it really is 2020 like you started like march of 2020 you were like yeah
1: so we yeah we started having hangouts i would say april oh, okay we were in touch but then it was like you know hang out on zoom every once in a while and then we made it okay once a week then it was like dating and then it was like okay Once a week isn't enough, twice a week. And then we would all be super full disclosure about like career wise where we were. Some of us lost jobs, some of us lost job offers because of the virus and people were moving around geographically. And then we hit a tipping point in August somewhere where it was like, are we going to do this? Hmm. And then it just, the answer was yes. And then it was kind of like, okay. What can we do in stealth mode? What date should we aim to launch? And so our our aim was November 4th, which of course was no guarantee because if you know, if Trump had won, then we wouldn't have been able to launch because psychologically everyone would have been <laughs> elsewhere. <laughs> so we kind of had Back, you know, had a backup plan. Okay. We good. had to have a, you know, a backup plan, which I don't know what it was, but I guess we had one. So I haven't, you know, I haven't
0: been living with much of a backup plan lately. I used to be no, such we a planner.
1: No plan. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <None. laughs> so we were in stealth mode and then, you know, holding our breath. And then it just so happened that November 4th came along with significant legislative wins for drugs, as we say, and drugs, um, won. we like to say that on the show, the war on drugs is over. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, enough ambiguity on the other front that we could, that we could launch. And then now of course it's good news, but you know, it was, we were, we were holding our breath there.
0: So were you, so in the process, were you actually talking to clients? What were you doing in terms of like yes. trying to actually set up the firm? Okay. And yes. so right. we
1: did two, we did two things. One was we really wanted to say hello and introduce ourselves or reintroduce ourselves to people in the psychedelic space that we really wanted their blessings or their support, or at least wanted to be on their radars. I mean, did you guys, see um, just,
0: can we just kind of back it up? Cause the law, you know, law is kind of very specific and it's kind of huge. So what, <laughs> what were you focused on? Like with the, like I know a lot of the women I meet in this industry who are very passionate about it, don't really understand business and don't understand a lot of the, you know, it's, this is a very regulated industry and kind of the kind of the stuff I call boring, but the stuff that has to get done to keep a business going beyond the vision. So did you see that there are people in this industry who needed that kind of structural help or was there something else that you were looking at to help people with?
1: No. So, so for the socialization part Which is different from getting clients. Yeah. We just, well, a couple of things. One is we respect the people that came before us and made Mm -hmm. the inroads and were the activists and are the activists and are the scientists that came before us. And so we wanted to make sure that we said hello the right way. We didn't want certain people to find out about us through a press release. We wanted people to, you know, we wanted to reach out and say, hey, we're, building this thing in this space that you are, you know, very active in, even though we all had our experiences with, with psychedelics, we still were very reverential and very um, very, very, like, that's very like collaborative of you. Yeah. Because I, you know, I took 10 years away from the formal law and I became an entrepreneur. Okay. So everything that I do nowadays, I, I, it's an entrepreneur first thing and then a, a lawyer second, but identity-wise and strategy-wise, I still feel very much and identify as an entrepreneur, which, you know, being founding a law firm in 2020, you know, hundred percent virtually, you, you've got to be a little crazy as an entrepreneur to do. Oh,
0: I mean, everything's an entrepreneur these days, anything you're doing, I mean, like nonprofits, you know, progressive organizations, all that stuff. It's like, you know, you're organizing people, you're setting up business structures, you know, these are a skill sets. that's why I was asking about, because a lot of people are in the industry, because I know a certain thing, like one thing. But to build a business around it, you need to a lot more than that. And so the
1: second thing that we did, you were asking, like before we launched on November 4th was also start cultivating clients. So we launched with a certain number of clients that, and then now we've signed up more since we've, since we've launched, but it was a nice way to start with some momentum with, you know, with, with projects rolling aside from the thought leadership stuff that we do as well. Okay. So, all right. So, so, so some of the challenges were actually making
0: sure that industry that you want to work with welcomes you. So what were some of the other biggest is challenges really? And maybe what pushback were you getting from like maybe lawyers or industry people or just from different sides or just your parents or my mom? Would have, my mom was pushing back on me. So
1: who was pushing back on you? Who was telling you you couldn't do it? You know, so, you know, that is, you know, I'm going to make sure I count my silver lining blessings of 2020. And that is actually one of them. Mm -hmm. There, there have been a couple of really fascinating things about starting a business in 2020 that I, I, I think I'm very conscious of. One is that, so we founders were not socializing normally while building this business. We were disproportionately in touch with people in the space or sympathetic with the space or curious about the space or our spouses and family members closest that kind of know what we do. So in terms of that kind of like energy drain that you can have as an entrepreneur when you're going to a party and someone just makes a stupid comment and you're feeling really kind of raw because you're in the trenches of building something because COVID kept us isolated and isolating. There was, you know, whether you call it an echo chamber or a support chamber, I had an echo support chamber. <laughs> I did oh, not that's have right. to so worry. Everybody, so everybody in your world was like, this is totally fine. So you're like, okay. I mean, it's like Zoom call after Zoom call. People being like, this is fabulous. Oh my gosh. Three women and all three immigrant women. This is great. And I, you know, I get to put my head on the pillow at the end of the day being like, this is the best idea ever. So <laughs>
0: all right. I, this, I, I do make fun of this because you know, like, again, I used I to practice family law, divorce law. So. All these, all these meetings I go to now about plant medicine, cannabis, they all start with intention and breathing. And I used to make fun of it, but like, I'm like, I am so into this now.
1: The process yeah. should start with intention setting.
0: <laughs> Light candles. <laughs> just-
1: yeah. It's, uh, there There, there have been more than one conference that I've attended that, that has, you know, like a, a sound bowl sound and then music and then, yeah, exactly. A lot I, of yeah. breathing. The lawyer and- in me is still like, wait, what are we doing? <laughs> And I what? just
0: I, I did collaborative law for at the end and that seemed radical, but you know, I think if humans could be nicer to each other, I think that's where cannabis comes in. All right. So you weren't getting pushback. That's good for you. Yeah. Right.
1: So, I mean, that was one of the, and then the other major silver lining was really because everyone's expenses and their personal lives, I mean, went down, you know, the schmoo- if you're building a business and schmoozing in New York, that can be very expensive because every martini you're having is $15 plus the cap. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so like, it was, it has also been a great blessing that expenses have, have gone down. There is no shingle, right? I don't have to have a, a physical office to be considered legitimate and everything that was going to be in person and expensive, like the top conference in Israel, like all of that went online. And we all decided that zoom is now normal. So business development and, and, and relationship building is also very low cost in a way that wasn't, you know, wasn't mainstream before. If I invited you to a video call, you would have thought I was weird. And now, so there's that also that silver lining to starting a law firm that's much more a startup than a law firm during such a weird time. All right, so I just think
0: about this in terms of politics. So I am um, like, whatever I believe, someone believes literally the opposite. That's just how politics works. So this idea that this horrible, whatever this year was. You know, I keep saying it's been good for women because when I was coming up in the world, I was told I couldn't do my job at home. And now I talk to my law friends who are doing like conference calls online with the judges. Like, I mean, I had friends, this is no joke, like women who are like, you know, we all did it. You know, we'd leave our kids at school sick because we had to be in court because they wouldn't let you get out of it. So the idea that the world has shifted this much so quickly, it kind of gives me hope that if we can keep these things in place it won't deter so many women from staying in the work world, you know, because they'll. It, I don't think everyone wants to be home all the time, but this flexibility, right? And we know we can do it.
1: You know, I might spice things up a little bit in response and say yeah. that I only have fur children. I have two fur yeah. children. <laughs> I do not have human children and will not be having human children, never wanted <laughs> to have human children. And my partners, even though they, some of them might want to procreate, they also don't have kids. And we are very, very aware that the rhythm at which we work or the rhythm at which we are launching this firm, the psychic and emotional bandwidth that we have for this firm is very much because we don't have children and we have very supportive partners. And so I don't know if 2020 is good for women. I think it's very good for entrepreneurial women without children. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. <laughs> it's I, I think
0: it's the worst year for women ever. But I think that if we can consider in the future as we build businesses, yeah. that these businesses the can be built. In this, this is what I talk about. So this is what I think the show's about: is that we are, we can build an industry that works for caregivers. I don't even say women. I say it's caregivers. People, humans don't raise themselves. Like this Dave's dad's been sick. You know, like everybody needs to care for another human and this idea that work is built 9 to 5 or whatever we have built it with the idea that humans don't have other humans to take care of is just ridiculous so this is kind of the opportunity i think that you know and, and if cannabis can be built by women who recognize this idea that people take care of other humans and that you know and then the world and the world the structures around us this is the joke i always make like i you know i graduated from law school pregnant so josh and i took the bar together you know And then Sheryl Sandberg told me to lean in more. And I'm like, I don't even know what to lean into. Like, that was the crazy part. And then we all felt like failures, but it's because the structures weren't set up for us. So this is the hope. This is
1: Being an associate at Simpson Thatcher and um, in New York and all of us women lawyers had a joke that, you know, I just need a wife. We used to Mm -hmm. say, you know, I just literally need a wife because slowly or not so slowly, we would understand who the male partners were married to, and they were married to these, you know, brilliant women that they had met, you know in certain environments. And then these women stopped working and were most of them, you know at home taking care of their children and taking care of their lives in the most fantastical, you know high achieving uh, achieving way. And you know, I, I, I'll, I, I got heat for like having to go to an, a closing when I bought an apartment. And then I got even more heat from the same partner you know, to do the move because you got to move during the week in New York and I bought a new apartment, you know, like I, there's no one, other, I don't have a wife that's going to do my move. <laughs> so. Anyway, so now we're all aware,
0: like I was that person, my husband's like, you know, we've, we made it possible. And I just, I, I just find it interesting that this is the first, this is such a giant shift that we never would have made. I mean, it would take incremental years to get to this point. So now we know what can happen. So it makes me feel sort of hopeful. All right. So let's get back to you and cannabis. <laughs> So who are some of your clients? Like who are some of the people who are coming to you and what kind of things are you doing for them? And are you just national, international? I know you have the international flair.
1: So we have um, have New York and California bar certifications among the three of us. And we have clients in both the psychedelic space and in the cannabis space. Mm -hmm. In the psychedelic space, what we we are limited, obviously, by the fact that many of the psychedelic substances, with the exception of ketamine, well, all the others are still schedule one illegal. So our clients are in the auxiliary spaces of the psychedelic space in the cannabis uh, in the cannabis realm. We have both. That, and- can we
0: back? What's the auxiliary space of psychedelic realm? What does that mean?
1: What so basically, that- it, you need to think of psychedelics as an ecosystem. OK, and. For, for simplicity's sake, you can divide that ecosystem into two realms, entities that touch the substances and entities that don't touch the substances. You can complicate it a little bit more by saying there are entities that may one day touch a substance. They don't do it now. So they've already started you know, fundraising or or, or setting up or building a brand. Mm. So auxiliary is anything, for example, you know, you will one day need uh, psychedelic guides, right? Whether they have a psychology and psychiatry degree or not, who is going to do the training of those guides? Where will, they, will it be a school? Will it be You will also have to have, for example, organizations that educate doctors that have already been practicing for years on psychedelic therapy so that they can then recommend it to patients who's going to do that training and then other auxiliary services. I mean, non-substance touching service you know, services, other lawyers, uh, you know, the hardware that might be used to raise mushrooms in the future. So there are many, many, you know, you can think of the structures of the business. Yeah, that that makes sense. So it is an ecosystem. If you talk about any of these industries, we know in cannabis, we know in the art world, all of these businesses live, you know, side by side even if they don't touch a substance.
0: Okay. So that's okay. So they so it's, so it's like, it's like cannabis. It's like anything I say cannabis is like the real word, but upside down. It's so like it's,
1: any, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, can't, I spent many years in the art world and, and it's once you're in the art world that you realize that you've got, you know, insurance adjusters, you've got conservators, you've got yeah. art handlers, you know, it's not just the art and the museum and the artists. There's, there's so many other jobs and professionals that connect to, that make an ecosystem, you know, thrive.
0: I like the way you describe that ecosystem. So let's just flip it all over. You are, you have your own very colorful and unusual story. <laughs> you've been all, all over the place. A brown
1: <laughs> University student.
0: I <laughs> know, anyway, it's, that's actually probably true. So you got the Judaic studies, you got your design, you have your law, you're an author. I don't know, you've worked for the Obama administration. Just, I don't know, just tell people a little bit about you personally, about you, how you got to the space and maybe sure. explain how, you, how you're how you so visionary, why you can see the world so differently.
1: So I actually see you know a strong through line throughout the different phases of my life and I think that the the through line has a couple of characteristics. One is I love adding order to chaos and chaos does not intimidate me. So anything that is overwhelming for some people, early, scary, I if anything will be drawn to it. The other thing that I now And very, very comfortable recognizing is I have a real schnauz schnauz for trends. So I can identify and smell a trend very early. And I think that with age, I'm now 41, you know, when I was younger and I cared more about what other people thought about me, I was, I was, I moved on the trends, but I was more reluctant and maybe moved on them a little later than I otherwise would have. Now something happened when I turned 40 and I just said, you know, fuck it. Like, I'm just going to, like, if I see these things, I'm just going to, you know, because eight, I started on thinking about cannabis and, you know, studying and all this stuff like eight or nine years ago. And people thought I was crazy. Like now it's not so crazy. So imagine what I could have done in eight or nine years. Had I not been restrained?
0: Oh, that's good. That's good. Cause I didn't, I didn't have the Let's see, four years. So I I had my cannabis awakening four years ago. So I've only been doing this for a little while. You got got a lot of power. You had a lot more years than me. So go.
1: Yeah. So it's (laughs) like, you know, so I think that, you know, whether, you know, when I was, when I was in, in, in law school, I, the, all the, the restitution cases were going on for World War II. So the fact that I had been a Judaic studies major and an international relations major, that was actually one of the big motivating forces was that trend at that time of rethinking how to restitute assets that were stolen and, and kind of rethinking what you know what that history can, 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 can look like. And that was, you know, that was a trend. When I graduated law school, the the, the Brazilian capital markets were going through their second big IPO boom. And so I was able to ride that second ginormous IPO boom in a, at a point where the market had become used to having lawyers that were fluent in Portuguese and English, bicultural, you know, just able to read the documents in both languages. So I was able to ride that, that trend. And when I decided to leave the, the law world at the time and go into the art world, I decided to focus on contemporary Latin American design at a time in which museums and funders were starting to dedicate funds to Latin America and attention to Latin America in the art world. And design was like new and fresh and no one in the States was talking about Brazilian design from an academic perspective. And that was a wonderful wave that I rode for a few a few years. And the Obama job actually came at the end of that wave where I was kind of tired of, of promoting objects that I would never be able to afford myself. So I knew that by working at the NEA, I would be exposed to a larger rainbow of, of, of just types of creative production. Right. And then what happened was I came out of that very passionate about the intersection of real estate and culture. And, and I had to put the cannabis stuff very much in the closet while I was at the NEA. Right. And then I was able to kind of take it, you know, take it back out once I left. So actually, can we go. So let's talk about your. We haven't really talked about your personal
0: use. We usually talk about the end. But like, so do you think you're using it as a medication? Like, did you actually stop consuming cannabis while you were working for the government, or is that how did that work for you? Or, so it, it's it's
1: hard for me to talk about. Okay, I'm, sure, I'm definitely not going to touch it in the context yeah, yeah. of. Oh yeah, uh, no, but I, but, but
0: it, it was. A, a, it's a, I think this is so complicated for so many women who are using it obviously for medication for certain reasons they may not even understand that they're using it for medication and they get caught up in this i hear a lot from nurses so oh. they stop consuming so they're sick they've been consuming they stop consuming cuz they work for a hospital or something that's testing for right. drugs so then they start on a, a regime of like you know pharmaceuticals which end up making them sicker in the end at which point their last resort is to go back on cannabis and then they get fired or they have to leave so <laughs> this is and it's you know, it's a common story. So it's a, it's a big issue. Cause we talk about cannabis, this is health and wellness. So until the right. federal and government, that, until the federal government kind of comes on board, this is going to be a continual issue.
1: Yeah. Right, right, right. And, and, and being a practicing lawyer in the field, you know, there are all kinds of like delicate, you know, delicate things to navigate. But what I'd say is, you know, I really have had a great time exploring the connection between cannabis and Shabbat. Like that's something that for me, is just so interesting, and 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 it's just really been interesting to to kind of you know. Also, this year the demarcation of time has been so difficult to to to, to track, mm-hmm. and because the computer is just a step away from wherever you are, and work is just seems like to flow into life. And having a demarcation, right? So at the firm, we always say there's no email sending, (laughs) no social media using when in an altered state. So it's really nice to have a demarcation. So it's something, you know, it's already a connection I was really passionate about before. And now in 2020, it feels even more necessary to have ways to separate, you know, whether it's actual work or mental work from other, other more sacred time. All right. So we are
0: actually, I'm running up on sort of my break time, but I just I want to talk about you know the Jews who took Instagram site and how it kind of ties into your I don't know I mean I talk about Judaism and cannabis I don't talk about cannabis use and Judaism but I talk about my Judaism a lot so and this idea I don't know it's it's an interesting way to kind of get connected with your um, inner self and what do you believe you know I don't know means and it's a lot to talk about that's like pretty serious so let's stop right here with my friend Adriana and we'll be back on the other side to finish up some. Talk about Judaism, a little riff on something I need to talk about, and then that'll be it for twenty twenty. Surprise! It's me again. I wanted to take a minute to thank everyone who's made season two of the Canon Mom Show so much fun and so popular. Honestly, I'm a little overwhelmed. And to show our gratitude, the Canon Mom Show team has some exciting news to share with you. If you are a cannabis focused business or want to find cannabis industry connections in your field, or want to engage with cannabis activists. We want to hear from you because beginning in 2021, the Canamon Show will be offering sponsorships that will allow you to support the voices of women in this industry that need to be elevated and give you the opportunity to connect with the thousands now engaged each and every week with the Canamom Show on multiple social media platforms, podcast distribution sites, and internationally on our Canadian Canamon Amy Ryman site, hip lives so if you sell a product offer a service or want to engage others the Cannabis show wants to hear from you and together we will crush that cannabis stigma one of story at a time now back to the show all right we are back with my friend adriana kurtzer plant medicine law group we're gonna be talking some juice stuff but before we do that i just want to kind of cut back to earlier we were talking about lisa ling and her show This is life. And we just want to play a little clip so you hear what we're talking about. To help
1: Tim focus, Dr. Heacock covers his eyes and pipes in music.
2: We're here for you.
1: Within minutes, Tim slips into a space he's visited before.
2: I remember starting to see blotches of color and different designs, just morphing with the music. Eventually I lost all concept of being a person. It's almost like I became part of this color show. So right now we're about 10 minutes in and this is where it's starting to get very intense, where Tim's body's disappearing, time is disappearing. Ego's disappearing. Wow, that's the that's the clip.
0: That's the clip. All yeah. right, so it's it's it follows the lines. I think it's three people. It does talk with our um, friend Rick Doblin. Oh,
2: sorry, no, nope, that that's it. it? <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's more? No, and I know. I find it interesting. My husband always like we're not stopping at cannabis. I'm like, oh no, there's so much more to learn. <laughs>
1: All right. So yeah, I uh, think, I think my family and yeah, I think my in-laws weren't even at the cannabis point yet. And my family was probably saying the same thing as your husband.
0: (laughs) We're not stopping here. All right. So before we um, move on with Adriana, we're going to talk, I just want to give a little uh, shout out to my friend, nurse Sherry Tuckis. I was on her podcast last week. Uh, It's always funny being interviewed when you're used to interviewing people, but we were talking about words. And one of the words I hate is high and stoner. I hate high and stoner, but Sherry says, we're reclaiming it. Because people don't even know what they mean when they say they're high. So when you are talking about this now, when I say, people say if you're high or it doesn't make you high. And there's that distinction between CBD and THC and whatever. I don't know if people even understand what they're talking about. So I think it's actually you just feel, you don't feel bad. You feel good. But what she says is high actually means you feel hopeful, you feel insightful, you feel grateful, and she feels you feel healthy. So that's my little tip for today. If you're going to use that word, I don't like the way people say it when it's like, are you high? But if you think of high in a sort of affirmative way, I'm with you there. So that's my little thing. And my other thing is about cleaning your stuff that you smoke out of people. Like I am a mom. My son's 22. He lives downstairs and just clean your stuff. It's like when you eat off a dirty dish. I know alcohol is scarce. I know it's been sort of an issue, but warm water, get some pipe cleaners, toothbrush, Q-tips, anything. Just clean it out every time you use it. It's just healthier. It'll smell better. And that's my cannabis advice. Okay, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're back with Adriana. Let's talk about Jews who toke and that sort of a whole, how did you come up with that? Who are you talking to? How you feel it's connected
1: to cannabis? Yeah, absolutely. So it's actually Jew who tokes. Oh, Jew! Sorry. There's a tragic story. It used to be Jews who toke, and then it's Schmuckles out of Arizona bought my domain (gasps) and offered to sell it to me for ninety nine thousand dollars. This is after. This is after befriending me, sending me. Hanukkah gifts, and then I woke up to a message saying, "Oh, I saw your domain wasn't snapped up. I snapped it up for you." Which I thought, "Is this going to be my Christmas gift?" It wasn't, so I had to change the name to Jew Who Tokes. Okay, I'll make sure that's in the note. Jew, who same tokes. idea, but you know, <laughs> it's kind of like I know that Jews Who Toke flows yeah. so much better, and it was the original name. But the way you know, the way it came about is, you know, shout out to Humans of New York. That was the inspiration, was you know, this fabulous profile that through a, sim- a simple picture and caption on Instagram captures a, a life, a person, a moment, you know, a struggle, a victory of a human and just humanizes a story. And he's really gone beyond New York now to do different geographic areas, to do different topic areas. He just did a fabulous series with a woman who used to be a dancer that just, I mean, it just, I mean, it just, it's unbelievable, you know, the power with a capital P that he, he has, has cultivated and deployed for, for good. So Juhu Tope's kind of came around as the, as the happy offspring of my previous research was called, which was called Rebranding Pot. So my first book was published through the Cooper Hewitt Museum which is part of the Smithsonian. It was called favelization and it was about the use of references to the Brazilian slums to brand luxury items as Brazilian. The target audience being Americans and 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 Europeans. And once that book was published and I was tired of lecturing about it, I was like what am I going to write about next? And what had started falling on my radar 8 years ago was the changing aesthetic of the cannabis industry. So the packaging was changing, the photography, the colors. It was no longer red, green, yellow, black. It was not It was no longer derivatives of anything, you know, Rastafari and Jamaican. It wasn't so kind of stoner bro to use, you know, the term in a, in, a, in a certain way. And so I was like, huh, this would be a great book. Well, I went through, you know, book proposal, trying to go through the publishing industry as the publishing industry is dying. Meanwhile, being like, what the hell is up with all these Jews? Why are so many people in this industry? You know what I call it? I,
0: I, I uh, It's my new JCC, my <laughs> new Jewish cannabis connection. I've been doing, I've been called it that for two years. No one else has said that to me, which I can't believe.
1: I mean, like, it's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, so I was just like, what is going on? And so I took a very, very serious brain spa a little while ago when starting to think about what the next phase of my career would be. And during that brain spa, there were all these rules. And one of them was that I gave myself permission to launch something that wouldn't be immediately monetizable. I'm someone who's very hard on myself. I'm very type A. I always think that I need to create something that has, you know, a kind of a business plan in mind. And, I, and, and one of the things I had to do was just do something that wasn't like that and i was like well what are the two things i like talking about the most and that was the answer and, and 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 then more recently you know paying more attention to the psychedelic space learning more about it and just having even more forceful of a reaction and being like holy shit like in the past and in the psychedelic renaissance there are just so many jews and of course they're predominantly ashkenazi yeah. jews that you know that pass as 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 white but there is something there to be explored about comfort with tabooness comfort with gray markets
0: comfort comfort with otherness like that's my whole
1: comfort with otherness and then using otherness as instigation for business having these conversations about innovation be almost like the part of a family's culture or 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 a culture's culture um, where innovation and taboos can sit side by side with each other. So there's, there's a lot that I want to keep thinking about, like why there are so many Jews, but I feel like my small addition to this conversation is by showing the diversity of people that engage with different substances for different reasons. I can help complicate the conversation as and we as Jews like complicating well, conversations yeah. <laughs> so i want to complicate the situation you know for every person that says i use cannabis medicinally i want someone who says the opposite i want someone who stopped smoking because now they i don't know they do other things and so yeah. they talk about their relationship with cannabis as something in the past you know right. with psychedelics we can have everyone who you know enjoys it recreationally or has like a very different you know relationship to it has been part of the underground or is part of the scientific you know, community nowadays. So whatever it is, I want to complicate the conversation about that's, cannabis. That's a funny way
0: to think about it. I just find it like, I'm like, they just find us annoying, but I guess we're just adding, <laughs>
1: we're complicating the conversation,
0: adding to the conversation. All right. So before we have to stop talking, cause this is so fun. So what are you looking forward to in 2021? Are you going to be, I don't know, big dreams, big ideas. What's the vision? What's going to happen in 2021? And what's tonight? Tonight's the solstice. I know it's december 21st i was watching the sunset at four because it's the shortest day of the year
1: right did you see it (laughs) i mean i'm in florida right now
0: oh you're not even like suffering like we are it's (laughs) snowing i am practicing
1: for retirement i am very proud to say that i my husband is now like i really get this snowbird business so i'm a (laughs) snowbird right now i you know can't say anything about the solstice. Mm-hmm. But what I will say is, 2021. I'm really, really hoping that the first Jewish psychedelics c- uh, conference takes off. <gasps> when would that be? I don't know, but there's okay. a small, uh, a small but vibrant community, and then there's a small group within it that represents many different and you know types of of, of interests. Already talking about setting it up. It definitely would be the first quarter. And so I will keep you posted. And so you can share the updates with your, with your audience, but really. That, no, that's actually together. great. Cause I,
0: I, the way I met you, that's is kind of funny. So my sister, I don't think my mom's listening. My sister was on a psychedelics listserv and saw your name or saw something about you. And that's how I found, that's how I connected with you. Cause she's like, Joyce, you have to meet this person. You oh will love goodness. her. You'll be best friends.
1: You must find that her. Is- <laughs> and by the way, speaking of being best friends. I wore the beautiful mask that you gave me with RBG on one side and the cannabis leaves on the other side yesterday at the fabulous pool club at the breakers. <laughs> oh, and someday, have you, do
0: you know, have you met Obama? Are you actually like, have you connected? No, his I hand? Or seen him? I have not. I keep finding like, I, I don't know. some. He, he got, his daughter goes to Harvard obviously. And my son works at a bagel store down there and she came in one day and she's like, What's your name? You know, and he knows who she is, obviously. He's like, Josh, what's your name? <laughs> like, we practically met the Obamas. We should be friends. We're the same age. Our kids are the same age. We're all attorneys. I just feel but like But
1: see, the question is, <laughs> she, did she order a raisin bagel with a salmon schmear? Oh, no, I don't I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> right? It's like, what was her order?
0: <laughs> I didn't actually get that deep. I should find out. But she's not getting she my back. No one's back because Whatever. Yeah. Oh my God, this was so much fun, Adriana. Thank you so much for thank coming. I'm in my last guest of 2020. So, if people want to reach you, if they want an attorney, if they just want to like to find out how to absolutely do who tokes. Let's. How do they reach you?
1: Absolutely. So, the website for the law firm is www.plantmedicinelaw.com. We are also on uh, on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow and or and answer questions to be profiled on Jew who Tokes, it's Jew who Tokes on on Instagram. And if you want to contact me directly, I'm Adriana at plantmedicinelaw.com.
0: And it is always all in the notes. Okay, thank you people. Thank you so much. another fun show for my guest, Adriana Kurtzer. You can connect with her, all those things that she said. She's the founding partner of Plant medicine law group it's a real thing it's a real thing okay and my of bro david jazz good seeing you again
2: good to see, see you happy Janus. everything hope you had you a good too. hanukkah
0: you too janice our of mom show social media guru she did another great job this week and thank you for all you've done to keep us going forward in 2020 i want to thank you for everything and i'm going to miss seeing your smiling face good luck with all your college and travels in 2021 and I want to welcome Catherine. Woo hoo! What exciting! <laughs> We're going to have some more fun. We got a lot of stuff coming up. So, welcome to the Can Mom Show team. Of course, I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Can Mom theme music. And I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Can Mom Show in 2020. It's been a year of talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one of story at a time. And together, we are changing the narrative around cannabis and we are crushing that stigma. And I am looking forward to sharing so many more canna stories with you in 2021. So happy new year. Please join us when we return on January 14th with a brand new episode. Sister Kate, you're going to like that one. Nice. All right. <laughs> I am your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannon Mom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 21.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show.